Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The Olympic future of shot put is under threat. We talked to Commonwealth Games medalist Tom Walsh about the future of his sport. The International Olympic Committee's approved a raft of changes to keep the Olympics relevant. We hear from New Zealand IOC member Barry Meister, who's in Monaco for their Congress. The future funding of the country's high-performance sports was announced this week. We find out who are the winners and who are the losers. And we talk to the hero of Auckland City's penalty shootout win in their first-up match at the FIFA Club World Cup in Morocco. And we hear how running's not bad for your health after all. The double Olympic shot put champion and world female athlete of the year, Valerie Adams, and Commonwealth Games medalist Tom Walsh have both expressed their concern at the prospect of their event being dropped from the Olympics. The International Olympic Committee has announced a review of Games events, with an Australian athletics official suggesting that if events have to be cut from the athletics programme, the likes of shot put are under threat. Valerie Adams says shot put's part of the Olympic tradition, and she's urging the New Zealand Olympic Committee to work hard to retain the sport. Shotput is assured of a place at the Rio Games in 2016 and in Tokyo in 2020. Tom Walsh is nervous at the prospect of the event being dropped, but says he understands why events are being reviewed. It would be hugely disappointing if they did cut Shotput. I know why they want to cut, some, cut a few events out from certain sports, but hopefully for my sake, uh, and of, of course everyone else, Sorry, shot put in, in, in the world that um, they don't cut it. But at the end of the day, you can't affect um, you know the big wigs and what they choose to do. So I, I guess that I know it's in, in the next two Olympics. So I've just got to you know be be sure to come away with a, two medals from the next two Olympics. I guess. <laughs> Why do you think perhaps this has been suggested? Is it uh, mass appeal or something, or the lack of it? I'd, I'd never say, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but I'd never say that uh, Olympics and track and field get uh, the masses don't you know love to watch it because you know every every uh, you know session at Olympics is sold out. I'm pretty sure. So I don't know why they want to cut many of the athletic funds, um, but I guess that's why they do because they think that they'll get more appeal. I guess by TV. Um, by putting in a few of the newer sports, whether whatever the new sports are. Yes, it's only a suggestion, and, and I suppose because uh, athletics has a big program, maybe the Olympic people may say, well, athletics, you've got to trim a few events off because we're evening things out, perhaps, something like that. But in, in particular, perhaps, if that was the case for shot put, I mean, it's a historic event, but perhaps it's not seen perhaps as one of the... Sexy events, if I could say that. <laughs> you can say that, mate. Um, no, I definitely think it's not a sexy event, but um, I think it's proven, uh, you know, around the world they do shot put in the street and things like that. So 
there's a lot of people who love to watch it, and you know they get you know five six thousand people to a street meet. So there's definitely the following behind it. I just um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure of their reasoning behind um, thinking about cutting it, but I'm sure they'll they'll have some type of reasoning behind it. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, it, you know, we're, we're um, sort of looking ahead here and it may never happen. But at the moment, of course, New Zealand has such a high, high profile in that event also, haven't they, you know, with the Val and yourself and Jacko? Mm, yeah, for sure. So, it's, uh, you know, for our medal hopes, um, especially for me, uh, Jacko and me, um, going forward, you know, we're, you know, 20... 2020, 2024 is, is probably about where me and him will be really, really going well and really, you know, uh, about the right age of peaking and throwing, throwing the furthest. So it's a bit of a shame um, if they do pull it out. But you know, as I said earlier, mate, it's just life, and uh, we'll come to that when it, when they make their decision. That's Tom Walsh talking to Barry Guy. Meanwhile, New Zealander Barry Maester, who's a member of the IOC, believes a number of New Zealand's traditionally successful sports will have to make adjustments following a shake-up of the Games. At a meeting in Monaco, the IOC approved all 40 changes set out in Agenda 2020. It's a roadmap to secure the future of the Olympic movement. Among the changes are the number of participating sports. Instead of 28 sports, there will now be 310 events. Maester says all the sports on the programme have to be accountable and they may have to change from their traditional approach, such as introducing hockey fives or basketball threes. Maester told Barry Guy that the changes are more about being relevant to youth rather than anything to do with the size of the Games. The Olympics haven't been getting bigger. I mean, 10,500 athletes in 28 sports is what it's been, and around that area, what they're saying now is 10,500 athletes isn't going to change, but the 28 sports will. It's now going to be called 310 events, which is a different way of looking at it. So all of the sports on the program at the moment are going to have to be accountable. They're going to have to be measured to see that they're performing. And the outcome of that is that it's likely that I think we'll see new events, new disciplines coming onto the program. And that has implications for every country, including ourselves. You know, some of the, the numbers in the traditional sports may change and some of them may go to more traditional, more, more innovative new world sports. And in Nanjing, a couple of months ago, we saw skateboarding, we saw climbing, we saw wushu. These are sports which the youth of the world are doing and the, and the IOC says, well, we've got to reflect that. So I think that in that sense, there will be a strong sense of change and the program will be reflective of that. Is that to be uh, become more modern, or is it, um, you know, some sports, of course, there's big costs involved. I'm thinking equestrian, which New Zealand excels in, and quarantine and those sorts of things. Is, is it become more modern, or is it to become uh, le- less expensive, perhaps? No, I think it's. A, no, I don't think it's either of those. I think it's to become more more relevant, or to maintain relevancy for young people. I mean, the IOC has done its research, and it shows that young people are not going into traditional sports as we know them, and which the Olympic program has been forever. They're not going into them with the same measure. They're going into sports that that, that are not those, and the IOC and the Olympic Games needs to reflect that. And if it doesn't, then it'll become you know, elite and irrelevant. So I think it's more a matter of staying relevant, keeping in touch with young people, and they keep saying, keep athletes at the heart of the Games. I mean, now one of the criteria 
for having a games, it's just been one of the recommendations, is that a city demonstrate what sort of an athlete experience it's going to be. And, and while that might be hard to measure and hard to do, it's, it's making a statement. It's saying that these athletes, this is, games are about the athletes and their, and their performance. So let's make it relevant and interesting for them and keep that at the forefront. And you might say, well, that should always have been the case, but um, it certainly has been reinforced through this session. Over the last couple of days or, you know, leading up to this uh, Congress, did you think, oh, that's good for New Zealand or, you know, or we might have to address that in New Zealand? Any Anything direct instances? Yes, I, yes, I do think there are implications for New Zealand. I mean, the implications on the sports program, for example. I mean, if these new sports, and I mentioned some before, are, are going to be relevant, then I think we need to be positioning ourselves for them. I mean, New Zealand lends itself to those sort of risk-adventure-type activities for youth. Um, and look in the, look in the, in the winter sports, the, the whole skateboarding and the free ski disciplines are appealing to New Zealanders because that's the sort of thing that we do. So I think that's interesting. There's some other trends, though, which we need to be mindful of in New Zealand, trends towards uh, reduced games, you know, rugby sevens, hockey fives, basketball threes, mixed-gender teams, which is certainly becoming more relevant. I think all of that is interesting for New Zealand. Women in sport, really interesting issue. And in the IOC, through these recommendations, we have committed to a 50% female quota in the Olympic Games. Now, at the moment, it's it's about 44, I think. But if we look at more detail, you find that sports like cycling and rowing, which are pretty significant for New Zealand, both of them sit on the Olympic program at around 40% female, 50% male. And I think the IOC is likely to say, look, you guys have got to get your act together. You've got to deliver us a program that delivers 60% without increasing the number of athletes. That means that some of the men's events might be replaced by women's events. And that has implicate, could have implications for New Zealand because there's sports that we strongly invest in and suddenly a particular events on the program might disappear. Um, and the other one, I think, is around the flexibility of bidding, the fact that multiple cities can bid. I, I was just talking to the head of the Commonwealth Games Federation today, and he was saying, yep, we need to do the same. So if New Zealand was contemplating bidding, it would mean that if Auckland was bidding, that uh, Hamilton or Carapiro would logically do cycling and rowing without any hesitation, uh, and so on. So I think I think right through this, there are, there are implications for every country, including our own. Some people, of course, are going to, the traditionalists perhaps, will say, um, hockey fives, you know, uh, what, let's just play the regular game. Yep, absolutely. I mean, people used to say it about cricket too. Um, and now look what's happened. Uh, we've got the 20s and the 50s and, and what have you. I, I just think it's an inevitable trend. And um, I mean, I, we're, those of us of our generation probably uh, like the traditional games because that's what we've been brought up in and, and, and played. But I think the reality today is that, uh, I mean, I, Hockey Fives is a very interesting case in point. It's my own sport. And I'm seeing it as a very exciting development. I think it's allowing more countries to play the game more time on the ball, more action, and uh, some people like it. I, I do too. I don't think it's diminishing the skills of the game. It's just a different perspective. And I gather that basketball three-on-three three is now saying that that's the sport they want to include in, at the moment, every sport other than the Olympic Games. So I think it's just inevitable. And, and when you live in the world of sport, you do have to be mindful of trends and, and youth. And uh, if you don't, then I think you probably shouldn't be on the IOC. That's IOC member Barry Meister talking to Barry Guy. Rowing, cycling and yachting are the big winners, while swimming, triathlon and hockey have all had funding cuts in the latest government sports funding decisions. 
High Performance Sport New Zealand's allocated almost $64 million across 36 sports in the build-up to the 2016 Olympics. Swimming has lost $200,000 of funding over the next two years after disappointing results at the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. There have also been administrative problems, and currently the country's top swimmer, Lauren Boyle, is without a coach. The men's hockey team and triathlon have also suffered cuts after failing to meet their targets for the year. The chief executive of HPSNZ, Alex Bauman, told Alex Coogan-Reeves he's generally pleased with the results from their targeted sports with less than two years to go until Rio. We're uh, tracking well. Uh, the performances uh, in 2014 were, were quite pleasing, particularly with uh, with some of the key sports, rowing, uh, bike uh, New Zealand or cycling New Zealand, uh, canoeing, um, and, and also at the Commonwealth Games with 40 45 medals, uh, 15, uh, 14 gold. So I think it's been a good year on the Paralympic side as, as well. Um, but having said that, we can't be uh, complacent. So uh, this this investment process has re- really been a little bit of a recalibration in terms of focusing on 2016, but also some sustainability elements moving forward. You must be happy, as you touched on, with the results you're getting from particularly those top three uh, Tier 1 sports. Is the challenge now just to keep topping up their investment, I guess, so that they don't slip behind or other countries catch up to where they are. Absolutely. Uh, you know, some sports, there's uh, there's a gap over second and, and third, and uh, in, in other sports or events, there's a, a gap to uh, first place or to podium, and it's trying to uh, find out exactly what those gaps are and then uh, trying to employ a strategy to, to um, try to uh, fill those gaps and, and, and maintain competitiveness so you know it is pleasing but it's still two years out uh, 2014 was a, a hard hard year to kind of predict because a number of world championships didn't happen in swimming athletics and and, and rugby but uh, other than that I think the performances are, are very good yachting is another example where performances have been very pleasing without taking away investment from those top sports is it a bit of a balancing act then trying to get a few of these sports that are a tier or two down up to that same level? Well, I think you, you have to take a look at it uh, from a, a holistic perspective. You have to take a look at all the sports. Uh, you know, we can't t- target too much because then um, we, we, we run into the problem of, of uh, you know, we're, we're too focused and if, if one sport doesn't perform, then it puts us in a bad position. So it's really taking a look at some of those opportunities. Obviously, we want to ensure that everything's done for 2016, but also looking at the future for 2020 or 2018. So looking at opportunities for, for other sports and if they're performing, uh, perhaps giving them a little bit more seed money to see what they can do. How concerned are you about the situation swimming in New Zealand and obviously their funding's gone down and it's been well documented, some of the issues that they've had and, and what do you need to see from them to um, get their investment back to the original level? Well, ultimately, I guess from from my perspective, um, they they have a good strategy. Um, you know, the structure is there. Um, it's just um, you know a couple of key elements like having quality coaching is 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 critical. So we're working very closely with uh, with swimming, and um, you know it is a partnership and, and a collaborative model. But they do have some young talent. There's about ten uh, good athletes of three that may make the Rio game. So uh, there's some talent coming through, and and we do see uh, potential. But we're working through uh, through some of the issues with them. So do you need to see sort of better results in the pool next year for them to get another increase? Is that where you're looking or is it more at a higher administrative level that 
there are issues? No, I, I think we'll always go down to performances. Obviously, there's key performance indicators. Um, you know, uh, racing in, in the pool is, is important, particularly a year before the games. But there's also some process outcomes that um, you know we're, we're discussing with them that emanated from the performance reviews, and, and we'll be monitoring that closely. And equally with uh, triathlon and hockey that have both uh, received reductions, do you feel... Obviously, they're not major reductions, so it's enough that they can still they can still function. And you obviously still feel that there's some potential uh, for good performances. Certainly, with with those three programs, swimming, triathlon, and hockey, we do see s still some potential uh, moving forward. Um, you know, um, as I mentioned, uh, swimming obviously there, there's talent coming through triathlon, uh, talent coming through. Obviously, they have Nikki and, and Andrea as as well. We believe in the structure. We believe in the centralization. We believe that they have the coaching on on board as well. Hockey's uh, similar as well with Colin Batch, a very good head coach. We, we've tried to uh, limit the reductions uh, as much as possible to ensure that they can still achieve results. But I guess someone's always going to have to miss out if people yeah. are getting more and the, the amount's not increasing. Yeah, I think it's, all, it's always a challenge for us, and um, so it's been more of a, a recalibration for us. Um, yes, and, and there are winners and losers. That's the Chief Executive of High Performance Sport New Zealand, Alex Bauman, talking to Alex Coogan-Reeves. Auckland City are through to the quarterfinals of the FIFA Club World Cup football competition in Morocco after beating host club Maghreb Tetouan 4-3 on penalties after it was nil all at full time in Rabat. They'll now play African champions ESCTF of Algeria in the quarterfinals again in Rabat and that match is on Sunday morning. The Auckland City goalkeeper Tamati Williams was the hero of the penalty shootout Despite members of the almost 40,000-strong parochial crowd pointing lasers in his face, he saved two of the five penalty attempts to help his side advance to the quarters. I spoke to Williams after the match and asked him just how he coped with the lasers and the pressure. Through the 90 minutes, we felt really comfortable, and uh, I actually kind of was hoping we would wrap it up in the 90, and then uh, it was probably a little bit more pressurised when we went into extra time kind of hoping it would just go straight to pens. It's kind of counting the minutes. So, You enjoyed that pressure, though, that comes with a penalty shootout? Oh, I enjoy uh, I enjoy the pressure when I'm doing well. It's not fun when you're not doing well. So uh, it was it was good. Um, there was probably, I'd say, 40-odd thousand people kind of uh, willing you to fail, which um, can act as a, as a pretty big motivator. And in this case, it, it, it did. I could see on the TV screen there was a fair few lasers being pointed at you. Yeah, well, I just I, I was told because I only saw one of them uh, during the game. Didn't see any during the actual penalty shootout, but I know the ref stopped the penalty shootout for the lasers. But um, I, I couldn't see them. They were they were much worse last year compared to this year. But um, apparently they were, they were all over my face during the pens. And on the Auckland City players as they were lining up shots too. Yeah, I saw that a lot more than obviously I did with my ones. But um, yeah, it's just part of the game over here. They're very passionate about getting their wins. And um, apparently the fans decide that that's a, a ploy they'd like to use. And that's up to them, I guess. What was going through your mind through that shootout? Were you saying anything to yourself? What What were you doing? Were you giving the, the opposition a, a few words as they put the ball on the dot? Um, I, maybe two of them. Um the big lad with the dreads. I talked to him. I almost got his pen, and my foot slipped just as uh, just as I went for the last push, and it kind of just went probably an inch past my right hand into the bottom corner. But the other ones was more just kind of uh, standing slightly off centre to make certain sides appear bigger and smaller. 
Um, and I guess right a couple of times and uh, probably should have actually saved it and finished the penalty shootout a little bit earlier than I did, but we got there in the end. What advice were you offering? <laughs> I, uh, to the, to the, the guy with the dreads, I actually said uh, the bus was, was ready to pick him up and take him home early, uh, but um, I'm not sure if he was listening or not. Playing in something like that, I mean, obviously Auckland City's been there before, but that, that whole feeling, it must be very so completely different to, to what you're used to. Oh, it's completely different. It's um, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, we're we're lucky uh, to be with Auckland City, who's in a position to win these uh, regularly. And I'm sure they, when I look back, there'll be highlights in my career, especially tonight. Surreal. I mean, it still kind of hasn't set in yet. It didn't after the game. Maybe in the next couple of days it will. Did it go all pretty quiet once the crowd realised that you'd won? Yeah, yeah. Um, the stadium evacuated very quickly. I thought as well, but um, it's understandable. I think they were uh, they were heavy favourites and didn't get what they'd come for. So a lot of disappointment from their end. Do you know anything about the Algerian side? No, just that they've won the tournament. I imagine they'll be fantastic. I think Algeria, as a nation, does very well at the international level. So I mean, they're champions of Africa. So they're they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be very good footballers. It's going to be a huge ask. Um, yeah, we'll see how we go. That's Auckland City goalkeeper Tamati Williams. And Auckland City play ES Setef of Algeria in the quarterfinals on Sunday morning. There's good news for runners. A new study has found that running won't wear out your knees. Researchers from Bailey University in Texas have found that not only does running not cause osteoarthritis in the knees... It may even help prevent the painful disease. They looked at data from 3,000 people and found that runners had less knee pain and osteoarthritis than non-runners. Dr Rob Newton is Professor of Sports Science at Edith Cowan University in Perth. He spoke to Checkpoint's Jim Mora about the study. There's many misconceptions around exercise. Uh, I think the one around uh, you know excessive exercise is going to wear out your joints and you're going to develop uh, osteoarthritis, but in fact... Uh, we now know that the uh, the reverse is true, that exercise actually protects your joints. So what is going on then when you see a former sports star hobbling around, which <laughs> seems to be a, a not isolated phenomenon, and we assume that, you know, he or she's worn out his joints? Yeah, well, look, I think with, these, with our athletes, uh, both past and present, the amount of training uh, that they have to do is, is uh, quite incredible, and uh, in many ways they're overtrained. I, I think they're becoming more aware of the workload that the athlete can and cannot tolerate now, and I think that in many in many ways now we're much more uh, informed and, and we manage their workload. But certainly in the past, we had our athletes doing things which were dangerous in, in many ways, uh, and excessive exercise and a lot of injuries. And yes, there's some notable examples among some of our our top athletes, uh, where you know now they are quite, uh, you know, quite impacted by the uh, osteoarthritis. So, Rob, it seems it's always seemed intuitive that you could overstress an arthritic joint, but in fact, it's weight that does that. That's the main culprit, isn't it? Yes, Jim. Look, we're seeing an increase in osteoarthritis quite markedly, which is concerning, and it's uh, driven by a couple of factors. The first one, of course, is low level of physical activity. The, the worst thing you can do for your joints is sit on the couch and use the TV remote, uh, you know, it, the joints are meant to move and, uh, you know, we need to get them active. And, and the other issue, of course, is the increasing incidence of overweight and obesity uh, right across the world. 
and uh, that's causing uh, a considerable increase in osteoarthritis. We know the fatty tissue can attack the cartilage and damage the knee and presumably other joints. How reversible is this if we do use our bodies properly in the way you're advocating? Look, just about everything's reversible, and uh, the research shows that if we can get back to a normal body weight, and and more importantly, if we can remain physically active, uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of these disease processes can be really wound back. But unfortunately, with osteoarthritis, once the damage is done, uh, then it uh, doesn't uh, doesn't repair that well. But of course, uh, if you lose weight, if you increase the the strength of the muscles around the joint, then the impact of the osteoarthritis will be uh, greatly reduced. This is a great advertisement for running, and of course, there are also people who say walking is better. What would you advise, actually, if you were talking to someone who needs to get off the couch? Would you advocate running or walking, Dr. Rob Newton? Look, it depends, Jim, on their, their current level of fitness. Uh, but uh, I think the main thing is to, to, to really focus on the huge research evidence and what the current recommendations uh, are internationally. And that's to perform somewhere between 75 and 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise each week. But also, interestingly, Jim, to lift weights or to do strength training uh, two or more times per week. And that's been demonstrated in an enormous volume of research literature, literally tens of thousands of high-level research papers, uh, to be the, the minimum level of physical activity that we have to maintain to keep our normal health. And so whether you walk or you run or whatever activity that you do, the main thing is to, is to uh, meet those uh, minimum guidelines. That's Dr Rob Newton, Professor of Sports Science at Edith Cowan University in Perth, talking to Checkpoint's Jim Mora. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sports at radionz.co.nz and you can also follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.